welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, and I'm shedding the pounds and shedding the junk. Today, I want to talk about the home improvement journey I've been on the past several months and link it to degrowth. So I just finished up a large home renovation project, adding a fourth room to my apartment, and I've been going through my junk to reduce the total volume of stuff that we have, even as we increase our space. Long story short, we finally have a room for our son. And this has got me thinking quite a lot in the last few months about degrowth. I talked about degrowth in episode three this year, but basically the premise is that we need to get away from a mentality that constantly growing is a good thing. Often degrowth is linked to the economy, saying we need to get away from the idea of permanent economic growth. But degrowth can also be scaled to community, to the company, even to the personal level. And the last part is what I wanna talk about today, because come on, let's start small. At the personal level, Degrowth is more often framed in terms of voluntary simplicity of movement that focuses on enough rather than more. And it's also explicit about the trade-offs that come with higher income, more stuff, more-ism, like higher stress and less time for non-economic work and leisure. I've mentioned it before, But my favorite resource here is a book called Your Money or Your Life, a sort of financial planning guide for folks who don't want to be rich, but just have enough money to make it through their lifetimes comfortably. I filled out the worksheets in Your Money or Your Life several years ago, and they've helped me really understand that having a higher paid job isn't always the best option. One early worksheet, for example, asks readers to fill out extra expenses that come with a job, such as work clothes, more restaurant meals or fast food, and time spent commuting. They then let you recalculate your salary based on this information, which can then be something like half of what it looks like when you get your paycheck. This to me was a huge eye-opener, and part of the reason I only work part-time now but maybe I'll talk about that more on a later episode. At any rate, one aspect of voluntary simplicity that could be more closely connected to degrowth, and what I want to talk about today, is stuff. If you listened to season two, episode 14, you know that my stuff has started getting me down. When I became aware of the sheer magnitude of things in my home, I realized that that stresses me out. There's scientific support for this as well. So here's my idea for a degrowth framework for the home. What degrowth is really good at is framing things in terms of sufficiency, or as John Nash says in his book, enough, enoughism. You want to have enough of most things, food, clothes, sleep, but there is such a thing as having too much and that can lead to problems. Eating too much makes you gain weight and leads to a variety of health problems. Having too much clothing makes it hard to find and store what you have. And sleeping too much, all right, I'll tell you when I get there, but I'm sure there is such a thing. 
What I mean is there's a point at which a good thing becomes bad. And I've come up with a way to nail down that point so I can stay in the good zone. Stay with enough without tipping into the too much. I'm going to start with something easy. Shoes. I own 16 pairs of shoes. And my in my apartment, there's space to store 32 pairs of shoes easily. 16 in the hallway, 16 in a wardrobe in the bedroom. If I were to take up a fair share of that space, which I share with two other people, there's room for about 14 pairs of my shoes. So that means that 14 pairs of shoes is enough in the context of my space in my home, or even within the limits if you want to go to sustainability speed. If 14 pairs of shoes is enough, and I own 16 pairs of shoes, that means I have two pairs of shoes above my shoe limit. Now, this number is totally arbitrary. If I were a shoe horse, I mean, if shoes were my life, I would dedicate much more space in my room and in my apartment to storing shoes. And if I were fine with one pair of shoes year round, I wouldn't need the storage space I have. And this is where things get interesting. Thinking about degrowth at home starts by setting limits for the material in your life. In redesigning my apartment, I'm trying to set up hard but sensible limits for different categories of stuff that I have and reduce the stuff in each category below that limit or make sure it doesn't exceed that limit. So right now I have space for 14 pairs of shoes and that feels like a reasonable limit for me. I think actually I could probably get away with 10 pairs of shoes. Next, I'm gonna look at the rest of my clothes, my books, which is gonna be very interesting, my papers, mementos, food in the kitchen, etc., etc., etc. As I go through the individual categories, I have to admit I am working a bit with Marie Kondo's approach, but I'm focusing more on these hard and fast material limits and spatial limits rather than how much different things make me happy. In other words, I'm figuring out now what my priorities are and culling things to fit my space. The trick here is to figure out limits that make sense. Design your home space so there's enough room within those limits, and then, and this is the most important part, not acquire stuff beyond those limits. With my shoes, the amount of space that I have to store them has left me feeling since moving in here that I own too many shoes perhaps for the first time in my life. So I haven't bought new shoes in maybe three years, and I threw away a pair over the summer. I'm working on wearing out what I have until I get within my limit. But degrowth at home can mean even more. Back when my husband and I moved in together, we talked a long time about how much space we thought we would need. We planned our first apartment together to be our last. I only wanted three rooms. That's two bedrooms for non-Germans. 
and he thought we'd need four after we had a kid. So we were thrilled to find two adjacent apartments when we were on our house hunt, one that had three rooms and the other a studio that we rented out until the beginning of this year. Our renovation project was basically knocking out a wall so that those two apartments are now one apartment. Taking degrowth seriously means we need to fit our lifestyles and all the material accumulation that goes with that into our four-room apartment. I find this incredibly exciting. Part of that goes back to hiking, where you have to carry every item you pack on your back until you eat it, drink it, or get into town. But this is also a value many people in Western societies would do well to get back to. When I read Naisha's book, he mentioned a statistic that around 2008, Americans spent more on personal storage space than movie theaters or music. That shocked me. Because that money is waste, and that waste is harmful to the planet. I don't know if I'm radically outside the mainstream here, but to me, paying for space that's not in your home to store things you can't use every day, that means you have too much stuff. And we need to get away from that. One way to do that is to set limits on the space we need and take those limits seriously. While I'm on this, I want to give a quick shout out to Emmanuel Stis, Anja Umbach Daniel, and Colina Fischer who wrote a fascinating paper a few years ago in energy policy on just this topic. Their angle was related to what I'm talking about in that they argued that there's a huge untapped potential in energy savings among senior citizens with too much living space. They crunched the numbers on seniors in Germany and Switzerland and found that on average, their homes are nearly twice as big per capita as the national average. Probing deeper, they found in surveys with seniors that over 40% of them were interested in moving into a smaller space or renting out or sharing an extra room. These findings show the lie in a growth mentality. To the contrary, there comes a point in our lives where many people need less space. Now, what does that mean in terms of climate change? Well, If all of those seniors in Germany who were interested in scaling down their homes did so, they would save between 20 and 60 terawatt hours. That's billions of kilowatt hours of electricity per year, or about 10% of the country's total electricity use. If they use the standard energy mix of coal, gas, and renewables, that would save 19 million tons of carbon dioxide per year. That's two and a half percent of Germany's total greenhouse gas emissions. So scaling down the way we live, that can really make a dent in how we address climate change. Of course, your individual savings may vary, but this is all to say that taking a degrowth approach at home can have tangible results for the planet. And that's to say nothing of the impacts smaller living would have on our mental health, on housing shortages in many cities, or humans' physical footprint on the earth. In other words, 
If you're interested in being part of a degrowth transition, home is a wonderful place to start. What's giving me hope this week? As you know, I'm an American living in Germany, which means I vote absentee. I asked for my absentee ballot three or four weeks ago. I got it via email from the wonderful township clerk and mailed it back the same day. What's giving me hope this week is that the clerk just emailed me yesterday that she had received my absentee ballot. Now this made me so hopeful. I don't know how much you've been following the election in the US. It is going to be a word that I don't want to say on a family-friendly podcast. Um, I'm incredibly, incredibly scared about what's going to happen and about the turn that our country is taking away from democracy and towards authoritarianism. But to know that at least one local voting official is taking absentee ballots so seriously and is actively coming back to voters to say, yep, I got your ballot. That really makes me hopeful that we have bureaucrats in key positions who will do the work necessary to make sure that every vote is counted in this election. I guess I should also say at this point that if you can vote in the U.S. election, if you are a U.S. citizen, please get your ballot, cast your ballot, cast it for Joe Biden, give a damn about the climate. You cannot allow Donald Trump to have four more years in office. This podcast is a labor of love, and you can show me you care by telling me why you listen at Lisa at myclimatediet.org. Thanks to David from Quince for letting me use his wonderful music. And if you want to stay up to date, follow me on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone. And don't forget to rate My Climate Diet on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for other people to find me and start their own climate diet. Because if everyone went on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world. So